talking about the topic of stress management, something we can all relate to. Uh, and with me is join, um, join with me is our uh, special guest, David Rosenthal. He is an associate professor of behavioral science faculty, director of management programs of health policy and management at the Mailman School of Public Health at Columbia University. And he also wanted me to mention that he is a father of two and grandfather of six. Um, in addition to all of those really impressive titles. So, hi, David. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Meredith, and thank you for the wonderful introduction. I, I appreciate the fact that you introduced me with more than just my academic or occupational activities because I think one of the things that happens when we talk about sources of stress or ways to mediate or moderate stress in our lives is that we forget that our lives are made up of more than just work. Oftentimes people talk about work-life balance, and to me, work is part of life. So it's really trying to figure out life balance, and every introduction should include some of what we're doing in our lives, that we're not just what we are at work or where we are at school or what our major is. And I know for myself, when you give an example of me having two children and six grandchildren, that it should indicate to others that those things that I do with them are stress reducers for the most part and important parts of my life. And when I go to their athletic events or when I go to their plays or concerts or just sit and talk to them, I'm not thinking about other things that oftentimes create a great deal of stress. So I think it's important for everyone when thinking about this topic that the notion of how can I bring balance to my life so it's not overwhelming to me and overwhelmed by the kinds of things that create stress or bring stress to me. Now, it's also true that there are just daily events that will bring stress into our lives that we can't avoid. And at times we should also understand that stress can be a positive part of our lives. It can help us get things done. It can help us follow through with certain activities at work or at home that we wouldn't necessarily need a deadline, but because somebody set the deadline or we set our own deadline, which creates stress, we're more likely to get that particular task done. But when we think about sources of stress, I'd like to go over a few first of what those might be. First of all, we have things like daily life events, and that could mean birth, the death, the moving, to a different part of the country, moving to a different part of town. Any type of life transition would be a typical activity that can create stress in our lives. And we need to recognize that it will come, those kinds of things will happen on a daily basis. For many college students, they face questions about how to pay for school, issues related to what to major in, will I get a job, what kind of job will it be, how do I get a practicum, which classes to take, the numbers of things that become daily questions that they have to answer or daily issues they have to respond to are the kinds of things that can also create stress in their lives. 
And, you know, it's also interesting to think about when we think about stress, when you're even younger than in college, you're dealing with daily things that have to do with who am I going to eat lunch with? Will I be accepted by this group of friends or not? Will I be able to make that athletic team or will I get cut? And all of those things have an impact on people. As we get older, we face things like career and career stress and job pressure, meaning do we, are we in the kind of career that we'd like? Do we, are we happy with our work? Are we unhappy with our work? Does it create stress because of the amount of work that we have? Are we in the kind of job where there's a lot of responsibility, but we don't have a lot of resources? Do we have a boss or a manager who is not very positive in working with us? That, that becomes one of the critical features to a success at work and, cre and can create stress in our lives. And then other issues like money, financial worries, financial issues, family and interpersonal stress, meaning issues with friends, time pressure, and certain, certainly when we face traumatic kinds of situations in our lives, we will be dealing with the stress of having to deal with that traumatic situation. The other thing I want to mention briefly that creates or causes some stress in our lives that we oftentimes don't think about is the stress of social media. The amount of time we spend connected, either online, on our computer, on Facebook, on Instagram, taking pictures, posting them, worrying about how people are responding to those things or people not responding to those things becomes a whole other area of stress that people have only begun to learn how to face over the last few years. And then how we connect on social media and if we're building relationships with people on social media, intimate dating relationships, is that something that helps us or over time do we worry more and do that, does that um, result in our facing even more stress? So we have all of those issues that when chronic can overwhelm the individual. And once they begin to overwhelm the individual, if somebody doesn't have methods for reducing stress, then there are a number of things that they begin to do to deal with their, the, these kinds of daily struggles. And in a negative way, some people can begin to smoke cigarettes, use or abuse some type of substance as a way to numb themselves and cope with whatever the stressful events are in their lives. For example, if somebody comes home at the end of a work day and it's been a very difficult work day, they may sit down and have a drink, do some type of drug, and believe that by doing those kinds of things, they're coping with the stress of their work day. They're actually thinking that, okay, I don't have to think about these kinds of things because now I've numbed myself to them. I don't have to deal with them for now, and it will make life an evening more peaceful. They may even have difficulty sleeping, and so what they'll do because of their worry about the workday or their daily lives, and so what they'll do again is numb themselves using some kind of um, medication. And the critical piece is that people begin to figure out ways to respond to stress that are more adaptable, that when faced with chronic stress in their lives, that they can figure out or begin to build into their daily lives the kinds of activities that will basically help them cope. And before I go into those things, I'd just also like to talk briefly about
some of the issues that are part of people's daily lives that I consider to be societal pressures. And when people face these societal pressures, we should also understand that they create stress for that individual. So, for example, oftentimes we don't talk about the stress of facing racism on a daily basis, the stress of facing discrimination because you're a gay individual, and how that might impact you when you feel marginalized or when you feel as though you are not treated in a similar way to other people, when opportunities are not available to you and life becomes even more of a struggle because those opportunities are not equitably available to you as they are to others. And I think we need to understand that, again, for some individuals facing those, that level of stress, we also need to build in methods for them to cope with things. And some of those changes may have to be societal, as opposed to just looking at the individual and making things better, that really we need to balance individual ways of coping and also think about what can society do to reduce some of the things that are inherently part of society that result in people feeling badly, feeling stressed, feeling as though they, have a, they, they don't have a place in whatever's going on in their lives, and yet they keep wanting to be successful. They want to work through whatever the situations there are, but the barriers that society places in front of them in certain times are just far too difficult to overcome. And regardless of what they do as individuals, they may not be able to um, reverse the kinds of things and positions and places that society is putting them in. So That's it comes okay. down. Sorry to interject, David. Okay. I make a really excellent point, and I just had a, kind of a question to rip off of that. Is uh -huh. the fact that um, you bring up the fact that there are all sorts of different people out there coping with stress all differently, um, and largely, you know, some people who can't really, you know, cope with the fact that they have these stressors because of these societal, um, you know, impressions. How can we, as individuals, try to be a little bit more sensitive to these type of individuals who, you know, may not outwardly show the fact that they are becoming increasingly stressed um, and just kind of overall awareness? I think that that is something that we can all take away from this is, you know, we want to help everybody to be, you know, free to not have these type of stressors that are negatively impacting them. Meredith, that's a, that's a wonderful question because it takes away from just individual change and points toward what we can do as a community to not only recognize the stress that some people may be under, but also recognize when we are acting in ways that increase their levels of stress. And I think the first thing I would suggest is that if you See an individual within your reference group, your organization, and when I say reference group, I'm, I'm meaning people you work with, people you're coming in contact with in the daily lives, and they do not, they seem unhappy or sad, or you begin to notice they may, they may be coping in ways that may not be real effective or positive for them, it's important to begin to ask them about the, these kinds of situations and respond to how they might be feeling in the moment. And we have a whole literature, and it's somewhat controversial, about microaggressions. Oftentimes, we don't even realize we say things that make people feel badly. And the issue is not that 
we don't believe we're doing it to make anyone feel badly. It's their perception of what's said. And because we haven't worked out a language to actually work through these situations, the outcome is that people feel disenfranchised. They feel left out. They feel marginalized, and that will increase their levels of stress. So I think the, the critical piece there when it comes to societal issues and the societal issues I mentioned and the community-based issues I mentioned is that we begin to have a dialogue with people by asking them basic questions about how they're doing and what's going on in their lives and we get to know them because I think once we get to a place of inclusion and we learn how to communicate about these issues, it will make it easier for people to express themselves and talk about how they might feel disenfranchised or not part of the group or not part of a working group. And that hopefully will also help them reduce that level of stress. So I completely agree with that, David. I, I just wanted to, you know, add color mm -hmm. to what you're you're talking about. A couple of years ago, mm -hmm. personally, um, my father passed away. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see how people interact with you after going through an event like that that's, you know, full of grief and, it does bring on a lot of stress for the family. Um, so people were often afraid to even just ask me how I was doing. And I will say to your point, I think like just asking somebody, you know, how are you feeling? Simple questions around that can really open up the dialogue. And I think, you know, regardless of the situation, you can always reach out to somebody who's, you know, potentially in need and feeling, you know, a little bit on the margin of, of you know society, so I think that that is the exact right approach. And I was wondering, while you were talking earlier, if you thought asking would be better than just not at all asking. So I think that is the answer to that question. Yes, I, I, I can only, and I think that's a wonderful point you've made. I can only confirm the importance of what you're saying because what happens to many people over time is they'll feel isolated whether it's the death of somebody in their family or the fact they've been discriminated at work. And they don't feel as though anyone will understand their situation. By somebody actually beginning a dialogue with them and not further isolating them, by providing some social support, you have one of the main tools that we as a community can use to reduce levels of stress when those situations occur. Far too often what happens is that people say, in the example you've given, for example, I don't know what to say, so I didn't say anything. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. What I have typically found is that when people are well-meaning and they have a relationship with others, simply by asking can never be the wrong thing. As long as you listen if somebody says, I really don't want to talk about it now, and not press them. But giving them an invitation at a later time if they do want to talk about it, that you're certainly available to have that conversation with them. And by providing that level of social support, and when communities do provide that level, it can go a long way towards reducing the stress that people feel on a regular basis. I cannot underestimate for you the, the power of social support and the impact of loneliness on people, particularly when their people, the people do not feel as though they fit into whatever situation they're having to deal with, when they feel excluded and marginalized feeling as though they do have some social support can go a long way towards relieving the stress that comes from societal pressures, discrimination, um, all the kinds of things I've mentioned previously. 
Yeah, I, and I think, yeah, transferring gears just a little bit and kind of thinking about the coping mechanisms that people can incorporate in their everyday life as well. You know, what are some of the support networks that you might recommend or any strategies that you think of that could help people think about coping with stress in the future? Well, the first thing is, and we need to be careful that there are many things, there are many unhealthy ways to manage stress. And we need to recognize that if we're using one of the unhealthy methods to manage our stress, we need to get some support ourselves. That may be by getting counseling. It may be reaching out to some kind of reference group. For example, if you um, are struggling in school and you need some additional tutoring or help that you go to the university counseling service, not necessarily for counseling, but maybe for some academic support. So if you feel as though you're using drugs or your friends are pointing out the fact that you seem to be erratic, getting that kind of help from some established um, organization within the university or in the community can be a very helpful thing to do at that time. When it comes to, and many university counseling centers have opportunities for stress reduction activities, the critical piece is that most of us have methods to use that we use to reduce levels of stress. And as I said, the critical piece is that when we face stress, stress, those are typically the first things that go in our lives. So for example, exercise. It's clear that exercise is a useful tool, but what happens when people feel stressed or facing a deadline is they'll stop exercising. Even 15 or 20 minutes of exercising will be a useful activity for them to reduce their level of stress and then go back to the work that they were doing. When we think about other kinds of activities to reduce stress, you might want to think about relaxation tools like yoga, deep breathing, um, mindfulness meditation. Those kinds of things I think people have found to be very effective, and there's a good bit of research particularly about mindfulness and other kinds of meditation that can be useful in helping people reduce stress. The critical piece to me is that you Make sure if you are facing stress or even if you aren't facing anything in particular that seems to be overwhelming, but that every day you do a few things that may take only a total of a half hour that are things to take care of yourself. So for example, if one of the things that gets your mind off of work is cooking, then that's something you should make sure you do daily because it's the kind of thing that you might enjoy doing. If one of the things you enjoy doing is going for a walk or going to the movies or watching TV, then make sure you don't give that up even when faced with many big deadlines because by doing that, I think you'll be more effective and more efficient at getting your work done or living your life because you'll have some sort of balance. It's when our lives become terribly unbalanced and that we're only focusing on work or school or issues of life and we're giving up the things that we truly enjoy that we have a more difficult time handling levels of stress and handling our own lives and, and being as productive as we might ordinarily be. That is such awesome advice, David. I, I truly feel like that is something that everybody listening can take away from this and you know, if somebody is, you know, on some type of trajectory of, you know, kind of getting out of control with certain habits or behaviors, maybe they could take a step back and think about or make a list of all of the things that make them truly happy um, and getting back to kind of what 
really brings them to levels of um, decreased stress. So I think that is fantastic advice. Um, you know, as it's interesting as we talk about this, Meredith, I think about one um, resident in family medicine I worked with years ago. And this is, you know, first-year residents, interns are incredibly busy. They don't have much time for anything other than medicine in their lives. And one thing that this person was um, very spiritual in how he handled the world, the church was a very important part of his and actually a few people of their lives. And what happened was they stopped going to church because it was very difficult for them to fit it into their schedule. So we talked about ways that they could maybe manage to still use church as a support group, even as a social support, since it was such an important part of their life. life. And what they began to do is figure out alternative times to go. And then when they had Sundays off, they made sure to go on Sundays for this particular person. And by doing that and reclaiming that part of their life, which was so important to them, it made the other issues that were going on in their incredibly busy lives less intense for them. They now were reaching back to the kinds of things that were helpful to them, reminding themselves that those things could still be incorporated into their lives and finding the time to do that. Again, when we don't find the time to do it on a regular basis, then the stress of our daily lives can easily become overwhelming. Yes, absolutely. And taking stock of how much time you're investing in other things and figuring out ways to carefully construct your schedule around what really matters to you. I think that's a really powerful example with your friends and um, mm -hmm. colleagues. So I, I think that that is helpful for, you know, somebody who's maybe a little bit younger who doesn't necessarily have the experience of going through this as well. So um, well, anyway, this is a very fascinating. Can I add? Okay, um, yeah, sorry. sure. Can I add one thing? Yes, by all means. Let me just add this because I think think you mentioned younger people, and I think one thing that younger people have done because we have so much social media is look to social media as a way to relieve stress. And what I would say is, if you find yourself on your computer or your iPad, your phone for inordinate amount of time, and I'm not going to tell you exactly how much time that might be, but if you are using social media as a method to isolate yourself, then I suggest you put it away and reach out to people in more direct fashion. I know. How many times have you left your cell phone at home and just actually discovered at first that it was kind of panic-inducing, and then later how enjoyable that day actually wound up being? I know that's happened to me a number yeah. of times, so mm -hmm. that is really fantastic. Uh, yeah. Once you get over the initial detox panic of not being connected, Absolutely. Yes. I remember when there were landlines, but that's dating myself just a little bit. <laughs> yes, I agree. Well, yes. Thank you so much, David, for your time. I think this is a really fantastic conversation. Uh, clearly, we have more to talk about, and I'd love to have you on a future episode, too, to explore more um, information. It's just been really fantastic talking to you, so thank you. Well, thank you, Meredith, for having me, and I'll look forward to hearing from you in the future and continuing the conversation, as well as possibly hearing from others. Yes, absolutely. And on that note, 
if you have a topic or are interested in exploring any type of subject for future podcasts on this wellness life, please be in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you for listening today. Hope you have a great wellness day. Take care. I'm <laughs> sorry.